Today's podcast brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis. Hello, I'm Kerry Lunigan. Welcome to The Weekly Grill. Now, one of the more interesting developments in the agro-politics world of beef has been the demise of the old cattle council and its replacement by a new body to represent the grass-fed beef industry called Cattle Australia. It promises a lot. Cattle Australia certainly has what can be only described as a very, very powerful and broad-based board and with a big list of aims and aspirations. The acting chief executive officer is Adam Coffey. Adam, you are now on the grill on behalf of Beef Central. Welcome. Thank you, Kerry. Great to be on. Now, you're a relative newcomer to agri-politics, so let's hear of your background in the beef industry. Sure. Um, and it's funny where you end up and, and what life throws at you. But, uh, yeah, look, I, and I guess a relative newcomer to agriculture in a way. We, we sort of weren't, weren't born into it, so to speak, but um, developed a, a passion for it. Early days, and uh, yeah, we were from Tassie originally. But my wife and I spent, well, I think we went for a 12 month trip around Australia and never came back. So we sort of spent a bit of time over in southwest WA and then a few years in Kimberley and uh, the balance of the, the time up in, in the NT uh, in the top end on the step plateau there before we, for, for, for one of, uh, of cutting our long story short, bought our own block down near uh, sort of between Bundaberg and Rockhampton. So, how's the season for you up there? Oh, look, it's dry. I mean, we've got plenty of grass around us, but um, relatively dry. We had a had a bit of an ordinary one last year. Um, not not a bad grass growing season, but uh, yeah, we're, we're we're a long way behind average. Which um, where we are on the coast in sort of thousand mil rainfall, we know what happens. We're a long way behind average, so uh, we'll, we'll watch this space. I suspect uh, s- uh, similar conditions uh, across a lot of uh, regional and rural Australia at present. Adam, let's uh, cut to the chase: uh, carbon emissions in the beef industry. There have been um, very clear aims and targets set by MLA and agreed on largely through the industry. Now you are CEO of Cattle Australia. Are you challenging these goals? Look, I guess we are. And and I know that there's been some media around um, the desire, I suppose, for at Cattle Australia on behalf of of producers to sort of maybe realign towards a a climate neutral target. And I'm happy to to talk about that in detail. But essentially... um, and again, the, the messaging that we have from producers is that they want to see their emissions differentiated from from uh, fossil fuel emissions, for, for instance, um, and, and greater recognition that uh, there is a, a cyclical nature to to the emissions of grass-fed cattle, uh, and uh, and we'd want to see um, basically some modernised measurement that that um, recognises that fact, implemented, and and then we can sort of realign to more applicable goals. So you're not actually actually challenging the goals. You are claiming the process is wrong. Have I got that right? Oh, look, the, you know, the target itself, as we see it, is, is not um, applicable. And I guess, I guess this is in light of some um, industry-funded um, CSIRO, CSIRO report that was that was done recently that basically suggested that you know carbon neutrality by 2030 is, is not achievable. Uh, and and we should note there that despite you know, despite some pretty aggressive modelling in that in that report, it's still not achievable, and we're not going to hit the target. And I guess uh, at the same time, this report is suggesting that there's, there's an alternative. That there are alternatives to greenhouse gas metrics, uh, and the argument's not about you know your metrics versus my metrics. It's it's about um, I guess a modern understanding of how we measure and uh, how what the warming effect of a, a short term, uh, short lived climate pollutant like methane and how it acts in the in the atmosphere. 
Uh, so so we're, we're aiming to talk about our warming effect and, and, and I guess the crazy the crazy situation we're all in, which was pointed out to us recently by an Oxford University uh, professor by the name of Miles Allen that we hosted in Canberra recently, he uh, he sort of pointed out that we're all, all a lot of developed countries are obviously running around trying to solve global warming, but none of us are actually talking about our warming effect. Um, and the key point is there that current metrics sort of bring everything back to a carbon dioxide equivalency. And that's, uh, that's so we're measuring the quantum of our emissions, but we're not measuring the warming effect of those emissions. So there's a much more, I guess, there's a much more up, up to date way of looking at things. And uh, that represents, I guess, ruminant livestock emissions in a much fairer light. Is there scientific evidence for, for what you're stating and the changes you would like to see introduced? Look, 100%. Um, a climate neutrality target, um, as is pointed out in the CSIRO report, is perhaps, uh, well, it shouldn't be regarded as a lesser target. And uh, it even states in the report that it's it's probably more in line with um, the Paris Agreement. So this is in line with IPCC uh, recommendations around the Paris Paris Agreement, which, which is a warming target, and, and that's essentially what we're talking about here. So, yeah, there's no there's no question in, in the credibility of the science. Yeah. So, how can uh, beef producers be rewarded uh, for their CO2 emissions uh, first, uh, rather than just expected to simply do it? Is 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 that your the basis of your argument for these changes? Well, I think I think we we are sort of wary of, of beef producers having to be. Uh, I guess having to offset emissions that don't necessarily belong to them, and I want to state really clearly here that it's not about shirking our responsibility. So we're all more than happy to do our bit in terms of uh, sequestering emissions, emissions mitigation, etc. And, and in fact, you know, Cattle Australia, we haven't, we certainly not, uh, we're fully aligned with with a, a very aggressive emission strategy. Um, but we just want to make sure where we're going to end up makes sense. And, and I guess the other the other issue we have with the carbon neutrality target is that it's uh, it's setting the scene for producers uh, to offset emissions, but really make that part of business as usual. And and, and uh, you know our supply chains sort of demand uh, that, that any emissions that we we're creating need to be probably inset to maintain market access. Um, we don't see it like that. We see that uh, grass-fed producers, particularly in Australia, we need to understand that we've got a pretty different production model to, to many parts of the world. But we've got a, a great opportunity in our um, production systems to, to sequester large amounts of carbon. And, you know, this area is always evolving. We've got some really interesting data coming out of flux towers up in central Queensland at the moment that is essentially showing that, uh, you know, these flux towers measure emissions in and out every every minute of the day. And they're showing that we are, um, in many instances, can be uh, carbon positive. So we're sequestering more than we're emitting. So there's, there's some good stuff coming out. And I feel like the conversation really needs to evolve into a conversation around what we do with our biomass in Australia uh, because there's no there's no sort of get out of out of jail free card here right um, in terms of our biomass we eat it or it rots or it burns um, and and some of it's accounted for and some of it isn't so we just want a level playing field so you're saying it's a very very complex issue uh, you're saying producers are putting in more than they're getting out in this uh, carbon emissions mission at present as it stands? Yeah, look, I think one of the key points out of the CSIRO report was that we, uh, as, as industry, we can measure ourselves however we like, as long as it's credible and that aligns with international methodology. Um, so again, what we're seeking here is, is sort of greater recognition of that generally cyclical nature of our emissions. And it's pretty simple, right? Cow eats grass, um, 
emits emits methane. Um, methane oxidizes into CO2 in a relatively short time, about a decade or so, and we've got the ability to recapture a lot of that through photosynthesis. So that's that's you know that's the nuts and bolts of what we're talking about here. And up until now, there has been no recognition of that ability to, to recapture those emissions. Time for a break. Our guest today on the grill is Adam Coffey, acting CEO of Cattle Australia. Breathe easy with Rhinogard, the only single-dose intranasal vaccine for control of IBR in your cattle. Get in control of bovine respiratory disease, that's BRD, before it begins. Just deliver a single intranasal spray of Rhinogard for rapid IBR control and add a single dose of Bovishield MH1 for protection against pneumonia. For rapid protection against MH and IBR in your wieners and pre-feedlot cattle, breathe easy with Bovishield and Rhinocard. Available from your local vet today. For over 180 years, Elders has proudly been supporting Australian livestock producers. Elders supports your business across the production cycle with more than 350 livestock agents, access to specialist livestock advice and auction services. Draw on our established relationships to buy and sell commercial and stud livestock across domestic and international markets. Enjoy Del Credere guaranteed payments when you sell with Elders. Livestock funding also available subject to approval. Elders for Australian agriculture. We're back on the grill with Beef Central. Our guest today, Adam Coffey, Acting Chief Executive Officer of Cattle Australia. Can you tell me about that product or item or uh, a gizmo, <laughs> what of a better term? You mentioned a gizmo called the flux tower relating to CO2 emission. What's a flux tower? <laughs> and I should preface this as, you know, I'm just a humble cattle producer. I'm not a not an emission scientist by any means. But um, so my understanding is it's a piece of equipment, uh, well, lots of pieces of equipment that we install on a tower. We can, we can install it anywhere. You know, these things are sort of circa sixty, eighty thousand dollars worth of gear, um, but it basically has a whole lot of sensors on it that that is measuring um, all of your emissions, whether that be uh, methane or CO two being sequestered back in into a photosynthetic process, um, and it's doing it uh, every every minute of the day. So it can basically, there's no arguing what's going on. It'll tell you exactly what's happening there in the paddock in terms of um, in terms of emissions sequestration or or, or otherwise. It sounds intriguing. Are we going to see a, a, a mushrooming of flux towers all over the grazing country? Are we? <laughs> possibly not. Possibly not. But look, there are a few out there, and it's um, it's it's an interesting bit of tech. So I think what's this space? Now, look, you've not long returned from a uh, a, a journey as a the acting chief executive officer of Cattle Australia to Indonesia. What was that trip all about? Uh, so basically, that was a delegation over there that was um, hosted by by ALEC and Life Corp and MLA, um, which we joined, and it really, I guess, in a broad sense, in a bid to to uh, to uh, build on relationships that are already there. And obviously, everyone's aware of the LSD situation that's happened with the suspension of of export guards out of the north. Um, so really, it's it's I guess that was the first port of call to to go there and sit down and talk to the Indos and. Uh, Understand their concerns um, and and hopefully um, situate ourselves a little bit better into the future. I must say there was consternation across the north. A lot of cattle lost to the trade. Could it have been handled better or sharper by both at both ends of the of the uh, of the chain? Oh, look, I think we can always do better, but we've we've got to recognise the fundamentals, I guess, of that trade at the moment and. Um, 
unfortunately, there's a bit of a lack of demand in Indonesia, and um, you know I'm no stranger to live export, and I recognise that uh, supply and demand, you know, an increase in demand often fix fixes a lot of the issues that we're looking at. So um, the crux of it, from my understanding, and sitting down and talking to some Indonesian exporters, is that you know they're a little bit upset that our cattle have been so um, relatively, I guess, overpriced for a few years, and uh, everyone is aware that they've probably substituted some of that supply from the likes of Indian buffalo meat imports. So there's, there's also a general softening uh, in their economy at that end, and I'm, I'm, I believe that it's probably no different to here, that people are kind of tightening up their, their budgets a bit in terms of their, their expenditures. So, yeah, that's, that's not really helping the situation. Yeah. Did Australia donate a huge number of vaccinations to Indonesia for LSD? Yeah, we did. No, look, I'm, I think there's another tranche going in shortly. So we've, we're giving them a lot of support there. Um, and that's that was that's definitely recognised in Indonesia. Um, the issue of, of lumpy skin disease not going away there anytime soon. So we're we're um, doing what we can to support them through that, through vaccines, through um, uh, we had a Ausvet LSD workshop while we were over there. That's um, basically some, we've got a funded project with Ausvet in there, uh, essentially educating, trying to trying to help uh, educate around vaccinations, buffer zones around feedlots. Etc. So um, yeah, there's, there's plenty of assistance going their way. And look, we, we shouldn't lose sight of the fact that this is um, this is not too far from our doorstep. So it also uh, it's in our best interest to um, to help them control it. Absolutely. Now LSD is uh, rampant up there. Is it inevitable it comes to Australia? I don't know, Gary. Um, there's there are plenty of opinions on that. And uh, look, it's I think some people are kind of surprised that it probably hasn't spread as far as, as we initially thought or as fast. So uh, I wouldn't be willing to call that one either way. Look, I don't want to scare people, but I have to mention FMD because it's so close at present in a physical sense. I, I, I cannot get over the lack of focus on FMD in the recent weeks and months after we highlighted it for about six or eight weeks and suddenly it seems to have dropped off the front pages everywhere. Yeah, it's hard to know where to sit on it. And obviously we had that you know, initial panic and... I think that um, some of that was probably unjustified, to be honest. Um, people have, Someone made the point to me recently that people have been getting off aeroplanes from FMD-infected countries for you know decades now, and uh, even though it's geographically closer, the sort of the entry, the, the areas or, or the ways in which it can come into our country hasn't necessarily changed. So, yeah, um, that's a scary one. But um, in terms of in terms of um, any of these sort of uh, emergency animal diseases, they they all, are all going to have the same effect on our on our exports and I guess our livestock supply chains if and when that happens. So um, whether it's FMD or LSD, we've just got to remain um, on our on our toes. Yeah, what what sort of focus is um, does Cattle Australia give it when you go to Canberra and you talk to bureaucrats and politicians? Do you uh, get a proper audience there? Are they aware or as worried as a lot of people are? Yeah, definitely. Look, bias, I mean, biosecurity, um, market access, trade, um, environmental sustainability, they're all hot items at the moment. They're all, you know, they're, they're all, uh, everybody's aware of their importance. There are a lot of good frameworks around them. We have a lot of working groups which basically form industry positions around all of these topics. So, um, and, and that's that's a process through which um, I guess our issues are elevated and then we ultimately form policy to take to government. So, yeah, everyone's aware, and it's a, it's an ongoing ongoing feast. Adam, if uh, FMD is found, say in Victoria, would there still be a possible market for beef for cattle out of northern Australia, or do we get shut down completely? 
Um, the, the issue around zoning has been discussed, and um, again, look, I'm, I'm not the, the full bottle to talk on this, but um, there is the potential, I think, to given that Australia is such a, a large, um, sort of spread out nation, that we could we could over time um, declare zoning, to, so we could say, okay, well, and that would be a negotiation with our um, exporting partners, right? We could say, look, these areas are free of whatever that emergency animal disease is. Can we negotiate terms to to continue um, to trade with you? Um, but we shouldn't recognise the fact that you know, in the first instance, um, it would all come to a halt. Um, and yeah, look, Australia's traded on its clean, green, disease-free image for a long time. So that, that's that's um, we've commanded a premium there for a long time. So we've, we've just got to do our very best to protect it. If the imp- the impact would be cataclysmic, though, wouldn't they? I'm told that the overnight hit to the beef industry, to the economy generally, is $40 billion. So uh, that's, um, and of course, uh, rural Australia would come to a screaming halt. So we have to be so aware, don't we? I, I just think that FMBD, from where I sit, needs a bit more of a, a highlighting to the general population about how how we must be so, so alert and so aware. Fair point. And, and look, I've just been in Canberra for the week where, where we've had a um, sort of members engagement week with Animal Health Australia, which handle a lot of our biosecurity commitments um, in, in terms of investing our levy portion there. And uh, there's a lot of discussion about being match fit um, and discussion that we maybe we're not as match fit as we could be when it, come, when it comes to a potential um, emergency animal disease incursion. So, yeah, that discussion's ongoing. Um, it's, it's always moving as more information comes to hand and we just... Um, We've got to keep on our toes, as I say. Now, I need to mention the the live trade ban of 2011. I seem to have mentioned this for years and years and years. Uh, The issue with uh, Ludwig back in 2011 was found by court to have been illegal. Damages awarded. What is going on? Are there any signs of this being settled? Look, not at this point in time. I mean, the determinations have been made. Um, we, We maintain our position around it and we... We're applying pressure to the government to essentially um, pay out on the case that's been settled. It's, it's as simple as that. Um, so we're driving the process as hard as we can on, on behalf of producers. Yeah. So what can be done? I mean, do you speak regularly with people, the bureaucrats and the politicians, or have you reached a brick wall? No, no. We've got very good lines of communication. In fact, I've got a meeting uh, with, with Senator Watt today at midday, so that's on the agenda, as, as are a bunch of other things. And, yeah, look, we... Uh, we, we're fairly firm in, in our commitment on a number of issues and the live settlement of, the, I guess, the live export um, ban case is no different. Um, we're, we're going pretty hard on it and um, it's just a beggar's belief that we're at this point in time, um, you know, back, seems it was back in 2011, yes. so a lot of time has passed, so let's just, let's just get it done right. So more waiting. Now, you yeah. have the carbon emissions issue. Uh, what are the other major issues you see as needing industry and or government intervention or management? Um, from my perspective, the big one at the moment is, is um, obviously it's bigger than emissions, but it's still in that environmental uh, sustainability space. Um, there are evolving sort of discussion around frameworks of, of, of uh, nature, nature disclosure type arrangements um, relating to biodiversity and nature, nature positivity or otherwise. So, that one's on our radar at the moment, and that's a, that's a pretty big one. And, it, and it's, I guess, if you liken it to the emissions argument, it's somewhere where, if we articulate our position correctly, then we have so much to offer. And so, what whilst there's risk there, there's also a hell of a lot, a lot of opportunity for for our sector, given you know the large amount of land that we're custodians of, and 
uh, if we can if we can improve our credentials around what we're doing with our land, then we're situated, you know, very nicely to to I guess um, capitalise on this new focus on on biodiversity and natural capital. So that's um that's that's a big issue. Cattle Australia, any progress on how the organisation will be funded? Well, we've got a so we've got a uh, extraordinary general meeting coming up where the board has proposed some changes to to the constitution. A lot of nuts and bolts stuff, just tightening up language and, and conflicts. Um, but the, a big part of it refers to uh, the installation of um, what we're calling the new um, regional consultative committee. So that's uh, that replaces the original um, policy advisory council that sat under cattle council. And it's a move, I guess, towards a, a democratically elected model, a fully democratically elected model. So at the moment, we have a board of, of elected directors from, from the NABRAC, SALRAC and WALRAC regions. And then within that, we're going to have sub-regions, or we do have sub-regions. Um, and that was, again, part of tightening up the language to allow us to run this election. So if these changes are approved, then that's, um, that's a big step in, in along the way, I guess, to having the truly representative model that we all want as producers. And, uh, and we're pretty excited about getting that that committee um, installed, and, and then we can. Uh, I mean, that's the engine room of the organisation, right? And we are expanding its remit, I guess, to beyond beyond policy, so that we can deal with advocacy, um, etc., and, and and really drive drive all of these issues from working groups through the RCC and up into the board level, so that we can uh, drive our industry forward. The other point there is, um, yes, we we've, we've got a FIFA membership model, which is is now out in the public space, and um, that's. You know, the, the onus is on us, I guess, as an organisation to prove our value proposition to members. Um, I, I guess I speak on it as a producer, and the reason I'm on the board uh, and involved in this organisation is that uh, I feel that we can do a lot better in the advocacy space um, in terms of grass-fed cattle. So uh, this this is something we have to prove over time, and part of that is getting out into, the, into all the RAC regions Consulting with members, finding out what their needs, what their wants are, and then we and then we build that over time. But I guess my my plea to, to all my fellow producers is to give this organisation a, a hell of a hand um, and, and get involved, and let's see how how big we can make it. Let's see how how powerful we can make it. Acknowledging that we are the biggest agricultural commodity in the nation. Yeah, you face a bit of an issue, don't you? You need um, money to do your work, but you can't get your Work done unless you have the money, and and and, uh, and vice versa. You've got to prove yourself with what you do before someone gives you the money. Before you get voluntary subscriptions to support Cattle Australia. Yeah, look, chicken and egg, and, and uh, we we're certainly not just relying on on um, membership. Um, in fact, we had a strategic reset during the year. We had a facilitated process where we broke everything down and started from scratch in terms of what we want to be as an organisation how we represent people, um, a lot of that's online, so people can jump on the website and have a look at that. But part of that was diversifying our income stream. So at the moment, um, we, we have a service level agreement uh, with our RDC, with MLA, um, and that's, that's, that's a portion of our income. Um, obviously, we'll have membership, and then we're looking at corporate sponsorship as well. So so there's, there's plenty, of, plenty of ways to diversify that income. And then, look, there's a whole levy review process going on uh, that we're entering into, and and you know, there's been some discussion um, over many years, I guess, about uh, from producers and who who probably um, some some recognise that uh, there are there are different ways we can we can have a representative model in terms of accessing levy funds or not, um, opt in, opt out situation. There, there are lots of different models there. So again, it's it's up to industry to guide this process, um, but we we are pretty pretty optimistic about um, where we're headed at the moment. 
in terms of direction, and, and I think the funding model um, is not far behind it. Adam, your position, Acting CEO, is there a process in, in place from Cattle Australia to have a permanent CEO? Yeah, look, we're talking to a few people at the moment, and that's an, uh, an ongoing process, I suppose. Uh, I'm hopeful that we'll have someone permanently in the position to come uh, AGM on the 17th of November. Putting your hand up? <laughs> <laughs> I have a place to run. So, we're, you know, look, I never say no to opportunity, and, and I'm, I'm grateful, I guess, that um, people have put me in this position. It's a big job, um, but I, I guess from my point of view, I, I think we've got a lot of good things going on, and I'm not really willing to let this, this process alter at this point. So uh, we're powering on and um, we'll see where we end up in a few months. Wait and see, Aim. Adam Coffey, Acting CEO of Cattle Australia. Good luck in your enormous task. Thank you for being on the grill for Beat Central. Thanks, Gary. It's been a pleasure. And thank you for joining us. Until next time, I'm Gary Lonigan. This has been The Weekly Grill, brought to you by Elders and Reinegard by Zoetis.